BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. I don't oh, know what's happening. Right, that's, except an, that, that's enough, Joe Biden. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. They sponsor this show. That's correct. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, sponsor this program. That's correct. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, are sponsors. That's correct. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of labor. Hour number two. Let's go. That's correct. Thank goodness it is Friday, February, January 10th, and live from the Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome back our dear friend, committeeman Peter Jenko, and it's the return of the Illinois political know-it-alls, Jacob Kaplan and Dan Pogoshelsky. And now your host, yes, an Illinois political know-it-all. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Peter Jenko is in the studio, and he brought a guest. Before we bring him on, do you have an update for me, D? Uh, absolutely, I do. Ben, take notes. We're trying to find out today the difference between a hipster and a bro. What okay. have you learned so far, Ben, what a difference between a hipster and a bro is? Well, I, um, hipsters uh, bathe less than bros. That's okay. something. All and right. I have this Apologies vision of Apologies to bro. all of our uh, hipsters who bathe every day. And I apparently I was wrong. I had this vision of bros as uh, younger people uh, who were like in fraternities and uh, they didn't completely grow a beard, but they let their hair come out a little bit. And then everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, but it's like Oh boy, in American Idol, and I said him, and nobody seems to know who he is. So I feel like, oh, because oh boy, is just such a great hint. You know what? I feel people are gaslighting me here today. <laughs> I feel like the guy, uh, the woman in that movie where the husband is turning the lights down, and then she and she says, "Honey, it's dark in the house." He goes, "No, it's perfectly bright." And then she loses her mind and ends up voting for Donald Trump. I feel that's what. By the way, that didn't happen. The movie came out in the '30s. But anyway, I feel that's happening. Ryan Seacrest is his name, and he doesn't grow a full beard. He has a little bit of a growth, and that's a that is a bro. That is the definition of a bro, okay? Well, uh, our good friend Gamba915 weighed in. It's the first time Gamba weighed in here on the uh, live chat. Thank you very much. Gamba915 says a bro is a Wrigleyville dwelling, sports obsessed to the point of it being his only personality trait, jock, wannabe, modern country pop loving, Bud Light <laughs> chugging young man. Wow, that just sums it up. So, who are right, uh, Peter Jenko, before we introduce our uh, mystery guest, who do bros uh, tend to vote for in the Democratic uh, primary for president? I don't know. We don't have any out by us. <laughs> oh, it's we're, 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 we're Trump country. I mean, we're solid Trump country. Uh, and 
and we've got a really powerful progressive movement. So, I mean, we're like at like both ends of the spectrum. Well, that is a very interesting thing about uh, McHenry County, where Peter Jenko is a Democratic committeeman. Uh, but before, is that the end of the update, young man? Or you have another? quite a few more. KMA Barry says, Seacrest, not a bro. What, what is he then, a hipster? <laughs> I don't know. Johnny Joe says, Ben is a boomer. Uh, Brianna says, uh, bros do not live north of Irving Park or west of California. North of Irving Park. Who See, doesn't that's live? just what I told you. Wait, time out. Who doesn't live north of Irving Park? Uh, bros do not live north of Irving Park or west of California. I am definitely a boomer. In fact, I'm going to give our guests the, qu- the quiz. Uh, there's That has to do with the presidential playlist. But before we uh, do that, which is will determine whether they're bros, boomers or hipsters. Uh, Peter, introduce our mystery guest. Okay, our mystery guest today happens to be uh, Larry Cohen, who's the uh, executive chair of Our Revolution National, um, which is the uh, political organization that came out of Bernie's uh, 2016 run. All right, Larry Cohen, welcome to the show. Yeah, great to be with the legend. <laughs> legend. That's what I am. I'm a legend. I like being That's a what legend. That's what Clem Ballin tells you. Well, if Clem says it is true, he's the pride and joy of Bowen High School, class of 1972. Am I right about that? No. 71? Yeah. Oh, sorry about that, Clem. Close. Uh, all right, Larry Cohen, uh, it's a big deal that you're in the studio. People have, uh, have accused my show being too Bernie friendly. So I, I say this before we uh, take the dive in this conversation. I'm open to Warren supporters as well. Um, basically, everything uh, from Joe Biden left on this show and uh, Joe Biden supporters although I'm having a hard time convincing any of them to come on this show they say I'm too Bernie friendly uh, but we're gonna uh, we have Elizabeth Warren supporters come on we have Marion Williamson herself uh, was a guest uh, and she's no longer in the race so anyway we are open to listening to the other candidates but in this particular case you are very much Larry Cohen a supporter of one uh, Senator Bernie Sanders correct uh, yes I know I'm almost 30 years I was the president of Communication Workers Union and uh, got to know him when he first came to Congress. I uh, was not the president then. But uh, he's somebody who puts working people first. It's not an afterthought. And uh, that's, that's how I knew him, from again, from 1991. And uh, when I decided not to run again as president of the CWA, uh, I said to him, I'll volunteer basically full time as long as we're building a movement, not just another candidate as great as you are. And he said to me, Larry, I'm not going to be the president. Now, this is in June of 2015. We are going to build a movement. Now, within a month, he changed his mind about being that he could win the presidency in 2016, let alone now. But um, anyway, that's how. And so out of the campaign, as Peter just said, uh, we had groups all over the country, which was really the backbone of the campaign. And the idea was we keep those groups going. And it's not about a candidate. It's about what we call a triangle of issues as the base. We want better health care. We want to actually deal with climate rather than moan about it. You know, we want to deal with student debt. So it's issues. Issues, if we win, whether it's at the local level, like Peter, or at the state level, like Peter, or at the national level, we actually want to be happier. The only real reason to do political work is to be happier for us and our children and our families. And so issues drives it. But then, how do we get, how do we make politics work? It is candidates. And it is party building, state committees, changing the party so the party stands for something instead of just the 57 parties in the states and territories, instead of just the party is just there where people get ahead through the party themselves. So that that triumvirate, really, that triangle, uh, driven by good groups like Keene County or Will County or here in Chicago, 
that's really what our revolution is. And to me, that's what Bernie helped inspire. He really has never been a part of it, but he inspired it. And obviously, we, we decided a year ago um, across the country, our groups to support him in running again. All right. And there's a very specific reason you're in town, Larry. Yep. Uh, why don't you state that reason right now, and then we'll move on. I'm gonna fi- i got some follow-up questions I want to ask you, but before yeah, you do that, appreciate that, stipulate why you're in town. Yeah, so our the groups statewide uh, are coming together at 925 West uh, Diversity Parkway. You were doing pronunciation before. I'm not sure how well I did from North Philadelphia pronouncing diversity. Oh, you got it right. <laughs> okay. You got it right. You're better you got it right. than me with Iran. Yeah, well, you know, we could compare words from Philadelphia <laughs> and Chicago that we get wrong. But What high school? Did you go to te- Central High? No. No, I grew up in North Philly and went to a local high school there. You know Philadelphia pretty well, though. A uh, little bit. Not that well. Anyway, wait. Before we forget, though, the meeting is at oh, 1030. Yeah. We want people to show up. It's mostly... Group leaders from around Illinois, but people are willing to uh, are encouraged to join us there and hear about how we build this movement around issues linked to candidates and linked to changing the party, which God knows in Illinois is an important thing to do. All right, and uh, so one more time, what time was that? I cut you 1030, off. Ten thirty. Ten thirty tomorrow at nine twenty-five West Diversity Parkway. Got it. All right, now uh, it's right next to the Diversity L station and the Brown Line. So you can't miss it. You cannot miss it. Holy Covenant Church. All right. Uh, So, Larry, I want to come back to something you said. And um, during the debate, we've talked about this so much time in the show. We analyze the debates after every single debate. And not so much the last debate, but the previous ones, the, the Democratic presidential debates, there was a theme that emerged. And in those debates, uh, Bernie Sanders was very clear. We need health care for all. Mm-hmm. That is uh, a top on our agenda. I find it very hard to uh, argue with that. I'm an old lefty. So, uh, but immediately, there will be a counterattack from the centrists. Uh, and you name, I mean, I can name like four of them. Amy Klobuchar would say this. Joe Biden would say this. That for a while, there was a guy, Bennett. There was Michael Bennett. There was so many different candidates who have been on that stage. Some of them are no longer there. They Bernie, you're unrealistic. You cannot have this. You, you can't get this through Congress. You have to be realistic, Bernie. And Or then they go, we'll lose swing voters in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania because they're worried they're going to have to give up their private health care. They love their private health care. There's union. There was the guy, Tim Ryan, the congressman. Unions have negotiated for this, Bernie. How dare you take away? So... What is your response to that? Like, you must be watching these debates and yeah. conjuring a response in your mind. What is your response? Well, that issue, you know, so I was president of the CWA for 10 years, 600,000 members. Every contract got taken over by the fight to keep the health care that we had that was bargained a generation before me. Every contract, Ben. Every contract. And despite that, and we had huge strikes like at Verizon, solely around holding on to health care. I'm talking about people out for 100 days. Despite all that, every time... The premiums go up, the deductible goes up, the co-payments go up, there's networks. Is my doctor in the network or out of the network? That is the big lie. Are we that happy in America spending twice as much as in every other democracy? Twice as much, 17% of GDP, when the average is 10 and we have worse outcomes. What's an outcome? How long do we live? What, how many kids die? Uh, you know, any outcome you would pick. That are, that are measured worldwide by the World Health Organization, we are not at the top on the outcomes, way at the top on the spending. And so, more so than even Bernie, my pitch on this, and I you know, see a lot of union people, that's basically how the part of our revolution that I helped build, is 
how many more horror stories do we need? Construction workers, a, a guy in New Hampshire told me recently, he's now a business agent, Larry, I fell. Luckily, it was only from six feet, but I landed on my head, had a concussion. Good news, my health care was great. Bad news, I went back to work, didn't have enough hours in that six-month period. My wife and two kids and I had no health care for six months until I qualified again. This is, this is, and in my own union, as I said, the premium's going up and up and up. At Verizon, with all those strikes, now it's $400 a month premium, and the company is still paying 33% of payroll. So, you know, we're talking about over $30,000 a year per family for health care. It's a, it's a disgrace what exists in this country. And preying on people's fears that it's going to cost working people more money is a big lie. And I'll take any Democrat over this president at the end of the day. But I am also going to fight for Medicare for all. It's within reach. It's the right thing to do. It will cut our costs. Things like long-term care. Everybody I know is scared about long-term care. You know, again, a woman, a postal worker leader in New Hampshire a couple of weeks ago, Janice, says to me, Larry, we have great health care, federal government workers. My husband got Parkinson's. Now we're selling our house to pay for his long term care. Mm. Every other people who have kids who have disabilities. We don't cover it in any of these plans. None of the union plans cover long term care beyond initial rehabilitation. What we have and what we pay for it is a disgrace. We need to call it out. In my opinion, the economic case comes ahead of the moral case. I, I love Bernie. I appreciate the moral case. The economic case, I could do it in an elevator ride, lay out the numbers of how we pay for Medicare for all. Out of what we spend now, no income taxes, payrolls, taxes, 10% additional on employers. That saves them a fortune. As I said, Verizon, 33% of payroll. They'd be glad to pay 10 most small businesses, 20, 25% payroll costs, mm. if you look at it that way, to provide health care for them. Give them a 10% payroll tax, they save a fortune. And that's the main way that we would pay for it. Uh, plus the savings, 22% administrative costs. I don't know if you ever had to use health care. I'm fortunate, blessed, knock on wood, very little. But recently I had an eye problem. And, you know, you get these pages and pages of bills. That's what we're paying for. 22% yeah. of health care is administration. Nobody, I'm not stupid, but I can't figure out the bill. I just put it in a <laughs> filing cabinet. If they say pay $100, I pay it. Yeah. I, you know, it's impossible. 22%. Medicare administrative costs is four. Actually, I was corrected by the former head of MMS under Obama. 2.6% versus 20% administrative costs. That alone, Ben, is a savings of $600 billion a year. And if you add up that saving, the existing costs, government now spends $1.9 trillion on health care, total bill $3 trillion, right? You add up the $1.9 trillion, the $600 billion on administrative savings, pharma, we're paying twice as much in these plans that supposedly everybody loves as, we, as, as the VA pays. And as China just negotiated, 50% less in China than what we pay here for the drugs that are produced here. That's a two hundred. If we cut that in half, that's a $250 billion saving. Add the 10% payroll tax. Now we have Medicare for all. All right. Uh, Peter Jenko is yeah. dying to get a word in edgewise. Go ahead. Young Sorry man. about that. You, you nailed my favorite subject okay. with no rehearsal. Well, I, got a, I got some <laughs> no rehearsal. You, but go ahead, young Peter. Okay. Um, I made an interesting... Um, Observation, you know, we're in Trump country and there's conservatives and, uh, you know, they don't buy into a lot of the Medicare for all stuff. Right. So then I started thinking about this. I had some pushback. I had some people. Oh, Pete, you're running for state rep. What the hell do you want Medicare for all? Why? It's not your issue. Right. And I said, wait a minute. It is. OK, because it's no secret that the state of Illinois right. has a severe budget crisis. OK. 
And so I went through the latest budget and I'm trying to figure out just how much money the state is paying, you know, like premiums for its employees, you know, for the pensioners, even what we pay for Medicaid. I can't figure it out. I mean, there's a million here, a million buried there, all that. But I know for a fact Medicaid alone is 22% of our state budget. Okay. Imagine what we can do with an extra 22% in our coffers, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, Springfield should be down, you know, let's go and push our federal. You Absolutely. Know. You're, yeah. you're shoving more of the costs onto the federal government so the state picks up less. And so obviously there's going to be more money for the state to spend on other things. Well, see, they can just keep printing money. We can't. That's right. That is, I hadn't <laughs> thought of that one, but that's well put. Uh, Peter Jenko <laughs> from McHenry County. All right, Larry, I want to come back to something uh, you were saying. I was jotting notes uh, when you went on that riff. And, Sorry. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, He's passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, no, and, and, and like, there's a part of you. I don't know if anybody's ever told you. It's like you have this inner Bernie. And you're, Bernie's yeah. from Brooklyn. You're from Philly. So you're not even from the same town. But, like... Like when you the way you punctuate things, I'm like, oh my god, this guy's like been hanging out with Bernie a lot. Did you notice that? Like, whatever. Anyway, all right. But like when you do numbers, it really reminds me of Bernie. Um, somebody's phone is ringing. Yeah, Clem uh, came Clem. just to ring the phone during the show. <laughs> I can't yeah. take Clem anywhere. Oh god. You know, there's an off switch there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, but um, one of the things we talk about a lot in this show, uh, Larry, is the fact that. I don't know what to call it. The centrist wing of the Democratic Party yeah. uh, is getting ready. They're beginning to come face to face with the fact that Bernie Sanders could be the nominee. And there's right. a very good chance he's going to be the nominee. And that frightens them. And we're already seeing, you know, President, former President Barack Obama has been sort of suggesting that he's going to take a strong stand against uh, Bernie Sanders if he, if he feels it looks as though Bernie's going to win. He made a comment uh, that was discussed in the last debate. You probably know about this, uh, where, where he said, we, we need a woman running the, uh, uh, the party. We need a woman and uh, not an old man, which is kind of a... Joe a, Biden sounds like an old man yeah. to me. Yes, but then Biden at the debate said he wasn't talking about me. Uh, uh, so, you know, what's your response? How is Bernie going to deal with a revolt from the center? Well, so first of all, I think we, um, so I was the vice chair of this thing, esoteric thing called the Unity Reform Commission of the Democratic Party. I've been on the DNC. I know that's a fault, but for 15 years. <laughs> and, um, but totally committed to like what Peter's doing, change the party. You know, we're not throwing it out. We need to change it. And so, you know, the major thing that came out of that year and a half Unity Reform Commission was, uh, elected delegates should determine the nominee. Mm -hmm. So, right, we have 18 months of this campaign, 50, 54 primaries, three caucuses, and at the and on the first ballot in Milwaukee, it's only the elected delegates. The people like me, 750 non-elected, uh, strike me if I ever use the word super, but the non-elected delegates <laughs> yeah. that are not super, um, they would come in on a second ballot, which hasn't, uh, there hasn't been a second ballot since Stevenson beat, Key forward in 1952, I learned, you know, on this commission. But um, uh, so my opinion is that, uh, you know, we're going to wake up in March, March 4th or March 17th here in Illinois, and you're going to see Bernie uh, right at the head. I think, you know, I think Warren and Biden will also get a lot of elected delegates, but it's not going to be about polls at that point. So we might as well yeah. think about that now. It's going to be about elected delegates. And he's going to be, you know, I don't know that he's in front, but he's going to be way up there. And I think it's going to be clear to the progressive part of the party that believes we need Medicare for all, higher education, 
climate change in a real way, uh, action on climate change, that says, hey, we can actually elect the president as long as we have Warren and, and, and Bernie sticking together here, not apart, that A plus B equals 2,000 delegates and we can win the nomination. And I don't think President Obama, and you know, I was a huge Obama supporter um, and actually know him a little bit, but in, in eight, I knew him well, seven and eight. Um, but I think he's wrong on that stuff. And uh, again, I think that it's going to be about the delegates that get elected in 54 primaries and three caucuses. I think here in Illinois, Bernie will come out ahead at March 17th. And, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what this is about. We're contesting 57 states, uh, and not only states, but it's every congressional district in every state. That's how that election of delegates works. And uh, so, that, you know, that's what we're doing. And, and in the case of our revolution, we're just mobilizing our own members. That's more than enough yeah, to make a difference. Yeah, in 2016, Bernie took McHenry County by 61 to 38. So I'm pretty confident that... Uh, no, this is... Uh, uh, what Peter's saying, Larry, is so true, that in areas that are uh, Trump areas, right. the Democrats are Bernie Democrats. And the centrists that I uh, discuss this stuff with dismiss that. And I point that out, uh, that, we, you know, in areas where Trump's strongest, the people who vote Democrat are Bernie supporters and I'm saying, well, that leads me to think that maybe one way to get people in those areas to vote is to have somebody that speaks to them. And maybe, I don't know, they're closer in, in mindset to actual Trump voters. Maybe you get a few Trump voters to go for Bernie, go hard left, so to speak, as opposed to constantly doing what the Democrats have done. I think you're totally right. Yeah. And I just spent, you know, no, it's no big deal, but I've been to Iowa a lot over the last four years, including a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, working class people, black, brown and white, I'm not talking about white people, I'm talking about people who work in the same factory, regardless of where they came from, overwhelmingly want to see a candidate who actually has fought these rotten ass trade deals his entire life. And, you know, Trump lied when he went up against Clinton and said in those key states, as you said, oh, I'm going to be for a whole new trade regime. He basically lied. I was a carrier in Indianapolis, you know, with the workers there again, black, brown and white. Uh, and Trump come, and, and Bernie was there, and we were, you know, the biggest federal contractor, United Technologies, moving this plant to Mexico. And, uh, but, you know, Hillary Clinton, first of all, she didn't come there. And secondly, you know, she was Secretary of State, which was the driving force of these trade deals. They're not trade deals, they were foreign policy deals, substitute for foreign aid. They were rotten trade deals designed to keep countries in our orbit rather than somebody else's at the expense of America's working class people. And it was a horrible mistake that President Obama continued those deals in Korea, Colombia, and then the TPP. And Trump lied about what he would do and exaggerated it, obviously, but he came dead out against it. Bernie has a real record of fighting those deals, and that comes across, particularly in working class rural America, like where I was, Dubuque, Davenport, not working class, but, you know, not the biggest cities like Chicago, where administrative jobs are replacing, uh, to some extent, manufacturing jobs. You're totally right. In those counties, whether it's in Iowa or here in Illinois, Quad Cities, the other side of the river, uh, that's where he does best because people know this is what the guy's done his entire life. It's not something new that he learned to say, like Pete Buttigieg, who is like an empty <laughs> glass. Fill the glass up with whatever will work. And that's 
And with Bernie, the glass has been full for his entire life. That's yeah. why he is loved by working class people. All right. Now, uh, Peter uh, Jenko can uh, attest to what I'm about to say. Peter Jenko ran uh, for committeeman of McHenry County. He was a Bernie guy, and he was running against uh, somebody who was supported by the party. He was victorious. Yep. And what happened soon thereafter, Peter Jenko, you know as well as I do, uh, the head of the Democratic uh, Party in the state of Illinois, Michael Joseph Madigan, uh, called Peter Jenko up and tried to convince him to vote for Madigan. Uh, Jenko, in my humble opinion, to his credit, cut a deal with Madigan, got Madigan to come on my radio show. Thank you, Peter Jenko. But in addition, (laughs) even though he cut that deal, he did not vote for Madigan. So I'm leading up to this, uh, Larry. The day that it looks as though Bernie uh, could win, here's what's going to happen. He's going to get a phone call from the equivalent of Michael Joseph Madigan, and they're going to go, Bernie, Here's what we got to do. You got to shut up Larry Cohen and those lefties. <laughs> Tell Clem Balanoff to be quiet and uh, hide and uh, cut yourself off from Jenko. He's too nutty. And uh, you got to move to the middle. This is what they're going to do, Larry Absolutely. Cohen. That's yeah, how that's it right. works, okay? That's right. And they're going to get some union guys who may be, you know, a little more open-minded to the center to call him up as well. Come on, Bernie. You got to move. And... They're going to try to get Bernie to be like John Kerry, Mike Dukakis, uh, Walter Fritz Mondale, all these Democrats who ran by going to the right uh, as opposed to moving left. So do you think Bernie can resist that temptation? Yeah, because I think the issues that he talks about, my experience has been sticking to those issues, not a bunch of labels, right, left, right. Uh, Those issues work in rural America. Those issues work with uh, inspiring Uh, working people, again, black, brown, and white, to show up. The biggest problem we have in this country is people not showing up, not voting. And the right wing has figured that out, whether it's in Wisconsin stripping 250,000 people because they moved, or, you know, worse voter suppression in other states. And what we have to do is, you know, voter inspiration. And again, in our revolution, that's a part of what this meeting is about tomorrow at 925 West Diversity Parkway, is to get our groups across the state fired up not just about Bernie, but about Peter. I mean, we believe that change really is at the local level, that at the local level, and in this case, the state level, you can actually change our lives now. Mm-hmm. Illinois has an opening here to actually have better life for working people in Illinois, not just talk about it or debate it, but actually legislate it. And particularly at the local government level, that exists all over the country, whether it's Davenport, Iowa, or you know, or a small town in Maine. So I think that's really the idea is to get people inspired that at least at the local level and transforming the party, we have right. to have viable Democratic Party, not a boss's party. And then all the way at the top, yes, we're going to show up. We're going to vote on March 14th here in Illinois for Bernie Sanders because we want real change. We want a happier life. And I believe that yeah. that, that, that kind of model of the issues, the candidates, the party building, and doing it by street-based organization, whether in towns or in cities like Chicago, can make a difference in this country. Peter, do you share his confidence in Bernie's ability to withstand the pressure to move right? Well, I mean, having kind of a parallel type experience, I can tell you one thing that'll happen is um, you get to negotiate. You know what I mean? Because there is a vested interest in working together. So in my particular case, I mean, you got the sign right behind you. We got Amtrak 
to Rockford. I mean, people have been fighting for that for 30 years. So when I got elected for state central committeeman, instead of just sitting on my butt, you know, I started hitting on, knocking on doors of the legislators and started to rile up the community and we got to fight for this and we get this and we got it, you know? So we can't always measure our successes in legislation. There's a lot of stuff that kind of happens just by talking to people and working together. And that's what I think is going to happen with Bernie. They'll sit down and they'll say, there's certain things we're not going to compromise on, but there's certain things we'll give you because ultimately, you know, we're, we're all Democrats, you know, and uh, we want to beat, you know, we want to beat the Republicans. We want to show that we stand for something that we can get stuff done. All right. Now, uh, Larry, I have to ask you this question. Sure. Uh, and this gets into, I've been talking about the, the centrist and the Democratic Party and uh, getting concerned about Bernie Sanders and then uh, the tactics they'll employ. Let's say Bernie's the nominee. He's up against Donald John Trump. Uh, Trump uh, sort of uh, has been bragging. I can't wait. Well, he's usually bragging about how he's going to mop the floor with Biden. He's got this weird thing about Biden. Uh, but Bernie, he wrote, Bernie is crazy Bernie. So he dismisses crazy. And the, and the Republicans, they whispered, we got pictures of Bernie. He's wandering around without a shirt on. He was in the Soviet Union. And uh, he's an ally of Nicaragua and uh, Sandinistas. We're going to kill Bernie. We, crazy Bernie. So Trump yesterday in that rally where he, uh, in Ohio, I don't know if you heard this. No. Uh, well, he, uh, he was dismissed. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is someone who's operating with a, with, who isn't operating with a full deck. He took a shot at Adam Schiff saying, uh, what did he call a pencil neck and Bernie's just crazy Bernie. So how's Bernie going to deal with like this, uh, y y you know, uh, playground uh, attacks that Donald Trump, he, he trivializes people, he marginalizes people, he makes fun of them, he gives them nicknames uh, and then they get repeated. How's Bernie going to deal with that? He's going to say uh, Trump, whatever he calls him, but I would call him Trump. Trump, you told us in the campaign you would end the wars. Instead, you're escalating the wars. And you got us tied up not only against Iran, but in Yemen. Uh, Trump, you said you were going to cut pharmaceutical prices. They've continued to climb. You haven't cut them at all. Trump, you said you were going to change the trade policy. How have you changed the trade policy of this country? Uh, and on and on and on about that. All you've done, Trump, is increase the military budget by $135 billion a year. That you've done. And what have you done for regular working people? What can we point to that you've done? And you've lied time and time and time again. We, we're we're going to have the kind of America that working people should have. We're going to have health care for all. We're going to have higher education for all and cut student debt. And we're going to deal with the climate crisis. You're a disbeliever in it. Tell that to the people of Houston, where every storm again threatens their lives. Or the people of Australia. We actually have one world. And... I'm gonna, we're going to change those things. There's nothing crazy about any of that. You call me anything you want. We're going to be in the streets across this country, and we're going to win this election. And this country, you talked about taking it back. Working class people are going to take it back. We're ready to go. Larry, Larry, <laughs> Larry. Dude, you got me fired up over here. All right, well, yeah, but, tomorrow. But, but standing on street West corners. Yeah, but standing on street corners with signs, that's, that's just half the battle. The bigger battle comes knocking on people's doors, you know, and getting out there and, and connecting with middle America. Well, and... Yeah, and registering voters. Registering uh, both voters, of you guys know what happened in 2016. Turnout, yeah. turnout it fell. And, and people always talk about Milwaukee. 
uh, Larry and Peter, you know, they talk about how the New York Times did the story where they went into a barbershop in a black neighborhood in Milwaukee. Yep. Uh, and that story sort of became a parable for the 2016 election. Yep. Uh, and, and where the people in the barbershop were saying they didn't vote, uh, they were disillusioned, uh, and voter turnout in these areas where Democrats need a high turnout fell. It wasn't just Milwaukee, guys. I got to tell you, Detroit. I, Detroit, Chicago. People don't talk about Chicago no, because Chicago. Illinois is, is uh, considered Democrat country i'm looking at my two three chicago experts who are coming on after this and all of them know <laughs> the vote in 2016 fell in the city of chicago in the black wards of chicago the sixth ward the eighth ward it fell fell from 2012 and that to me is just uh larry sends a message that's indicative of what happened in detroit milwaukee your hometown philadelphia yeah it's huge big so bernie sanders can change that in your humble opinion no not by himself I mean, number one, I think, you know, who else is on that ticket with him? And secondly, uh, you know, surrogates uh, who are black and brown and immigrants uh, saying this is the key election of our life. People always say that. But we have to beat the monster president we have. As Bernie calls him, he's the worst president ever. And we need to connect that to people's everyday lives. But also, and this is where Bernie comes in and the people, uh, this campaign, is give people hope that life can be different that their kids can really go to college without student debt, that they can have decent health care if they have a job, not just people on Medicaid, but working people. And the hope that, we, that their kids don't have to go to war for no good reason and spend trillions of dollars in the process. And I think, I think it's a combination of those things. One, sort of who are we and what do we look like, but what do we stand for? And do we stand for a life that will dramatically make a difference for our kids. I think if we do that, and we're clear about that, it's not just against Trump. We're fighting for the America we can be and the America that working people want. I think then we get at least some of that turnout back. And, uh, you know, my favorite, I, I mean, I hate it, but Wayne County, Michigan, Detroit, drop of 50,000 in turnout, and Trump carried Michigan by 10,000. Mm. And then there's the pivot counties, where a lot of our revolution groups are, um, like where Peter is, which flipped from Obama, uh, yours may not have, but flipped from Obama to um, to Trump. So those river uh, counties McHenry in Iowa. McHenry County went to Trump yeah. in the end. In the end, it went for Trump. Yeah, uh, all right, so before I let you guys go, I yeah. know you're busy. Uh, give one more time the information about what's going on tomorrow at uh, in the morning here in the city of Chicago. Go ahead. Sure. The, the statewide Our Revolution groups are meeting at 925 West Diversity Parkway, 1030 a.m. Everybody's welcome. We're talking about our strategy, which is not just Bernie. It's primarily how do we win in 2020 at every level, local government, state government, and how is that connected up to the core issues that really motivate us to do this work as volunteers? And it depends on all you listeners out there to make this work. Very good. That's Peter Janko. And uh, people are saying, where's, where's the uh, McHenry County crew that Peter Janko brings in? That's the next visit. We're going to bring in the McHenry County crew. That was a very popular segment. Well, hell, he the brought last... a wrecking crew in today, man. You're on fire, Larry. <laughs> no, Larry Cohen. We're going to definitely dude. bring Larry Cohen back to the okay. show. Uh, he's the pride and joy of Philadelphia. My guess he went to Overbrook High. No, that's West Philly. Oh, okay. Where high school did you go? Cheltenham High School. Of course I knew that. That's okay. told me that. All right. Thank you very much, Larry Cohen. Have thank you, you very much, Peter Janko. Uh, and we have uh, <laughs> Central's Fancy. Uh, Jacob Kaplan is on deck with Danny Pogoshelsky. We'll bring him on when we return. 
The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. Madam Secretary, you talk a lot about um, the mothers of your friends, where you went to their houses and you knew that they were going to be kind and generous and supportive of you. So that, that theme of women being present and how they make a difference, um, talk a little bit about that and, and how that, again, animated some of the, the selections that you made of people in the book. That's a great question, Mayor, because um, I wanted to include uh, women who I could distinctly remember the impact that they had on me. And, you know, obviously historical figures, I, I, you know, I never knew Helen Keller or Anne Frank or Maria Tolchi for... Amelia Earhart, but as a little girl, they made a big impression on me. Ben, stop talking about hipsters and bros. We're back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. I'm still fired up about Larry Cohen, man. That dude brings the A-game. Larry, Larry, <laughs> Larry. Uh, dude, that was awesome. Yeah, Larry. I mean, it was like having Bernie in the studio. I mean, he just, there was, the way he uh, hit certain notes, Jacob Kaplan, just reminded me it, of... Very uh, much like Bernie. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And, uh, yeah, when they were, uh, he was talking about how Bernie and he had a conversation in 2015. Then he went off and he started the numbers. Dennis has this gag he does where he, do, he imitates. Have you guys ever heard Dennis's imitation of Bernie? I don't think Not. so. No, no. Twenty-seven dollars. Yeah, there you go. And when, <laughs> it is. when Larry Cohen was going on about that, you had to cut out care by twelve yeah. percent. It's like Bernie's in the studio. You take the ten percent of the other ten percent, and that gives you ten percent. <laughs> you know, if you're talking about imitations, though, and especially if you bring up the name Larry, the person I thought of is Larry David. You know, uh, who yeah. turned out to be thanks to Henry Louis Gates. Related you remember, to Bernie. That's right, his cousin, right? <laughs> Wait, time out. Hold it. You, you said that so fast. You tell me Larry, Larry David, is, da yeah. David is related to who? Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. I don't believe that. Uh, you cannot believe me, but please believe Henry Louis Gates, who yeah. actually Oh, he TV. did the uh, uh, DNA test. DNA, DNA test. Now, if you're going to believe did not know that? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, you did it, though. I did not know that. Take apparently out of the sentence. They're called the know-it-alls for a reason. Yeah. The poli <laughs> political know-it-alls. The yeah. Illinois political know-it-alls are in the studio. Hey. Jacob Kaplan, Danny Pokoshelsky. Yes, sir. Before 
before we get into the with the interview here, we want to remind everybody to check out our Benny J bonus interviews this weekend. Uh, we got two damn good interviews for you to download. Uh, our first is with Dan or Dan Ben's good friend Dan Mielopoulos of WBEZ. Ben, tell everybody what to expect. Uh, to we download take the that. deep dive uh, on the, the uh, Michael McLean investigation, and that has to do. We've been talking a lot about that a lot today. Uh, Michael McLean is a uh, former aide, ally, confidant, state representative, a former aide, ally, confidant of Michael Joseph Madigan and uh, former state representative. And he wrote this very bizarre email uh, that uh, Dave McKinney and WBZ uncovered uh, where he was praising somebody for like covering up uh, a rape and it's just exploded. Like, what rape? And why would you be praising somebody for covering up a rape or being quiet about a rape? Uh, and uh, anyway, Danny Mahopoulos is investigative report for WBZ. He and McKinney confronted uh, McClain. He was dining at Chicago Cut, and they was the steakhouse here in the city of Chicago, and went right over there. Bulldog. Uh, I know, bulldog <laughs> investigative reporters. So uh, anyway, we talk about corruption in the state of Illinois. And then our next interview... Mark Brown. We haven't done that yet. Mark Brown, a gentleman I see in the Sun-Times bathroom on occasion. Mark, He's going to be coming in. Yeah, and, uh, we're talking politics, just general politics. So that's awesome. Check that out. Live stream chat. You guys are on fire today. What are you, Larry Cohen over here? My goodness, you guys are killing it. Oh, and also, before we continue, our good friend Dan Pogoshelsky is a licensed, ordained minister. <laughs> Got to get this over And with. every time he comes in, he always nudges me. Hey, real quick, you can give me a plug. I got you, dude. I got you. So if you're getting married... Listen up. If you're looking to tie the knot with your loved one, there is one man and one man only who can do the job. Dan Pogoshelski, licensed, ordained minister. So, if you're looking to tie the knot, there's only one question that you need to ask. Danny P., will you marry me? Dan Pogoshelski, licensed, ordained minister. You're welcome, buddy. Yeah. Uh, young Daniel was not at the last show, right, Jacob? Wasn't he doing a wedding somewhere in like Idaho? Or wasn't that right? Do I not have that right? The I did. I did a show where I wasn't. Well, I wasn't able to come on because I was in Idaho. But actually, the last time I got to visit a former intern of mine when I worked for a state uh, now state senator Martwick, who now is a he's an exchange student. He was a lobbyist in Paris. Oh, and you went to France? Yes. Like, I was. Man, he's, it's like a, that a was Patty fun. Duke show. You're the sister who goes all around the world. I just, Hang tight, millennials. I know. <laughs> Patty Duke. <laughs> Jacob's hanging around. He's the only one around who knows the Patty Duke show. Meet Patty, who's been most everywhere from Zanzibar. Anyway, all right, enough of that. Uh, you could go to Paris, wouldn't you? Yes, if I could, I would. But uh, as far okay, as... a show to do. I have a show to do. <laughs> the only places I go these days are Chicago, Evanston, and Skokie. It's That's pretty correct. much... Uh, I see movies in Skokie and, uh, and Evanston and well, you should, Chicago. you should travel around the state more. I really liked it when we actually met Peter, thanks to coming out to DeKalb. Yes, uh, we did a remote in DeKalb. And uh, yeah, I love those remotes. Uh, we got to get those going again. Although we, we are going to be doing some remotes, I should say. Yeah, a lot of... Uh, we'll be doing one February 11th uh, in Chicago. And that'll be the night of the New Hampshire primary. So we're going to be doing a remote from a bar in Clark Street. Uh, I wish I knew the name of the bar, but it's just off the top of my head, I, I don't have it. So we will be doing some remotes. And we have one in March uh, that we'll be doing on the day of the Illinois primary. So, uh, yeah, we'll be getting out on the road doing more remotes. All right, now let's you get down. You guys going to go to LaSalle County, where Danny Brzezowski's running against hey, Adam Kinzinger? Uh, she will be a guest on this show next week, uh, thanks to you, young Dan, uh, for helping uh, uh, broker that deal. All right, let's get down to business. 
place. And this is what I really want to talk to you guys about the political know-it-alls. I know absolutely everything about politics, <laughs> the geeky stuff included. Uh, Jacob, let's people have been asking me about the delegate selection process in the state of Illinois. It's very confusing. Uh, we just had uh, Larry Cohen uh, on the, the show with Peter Jenko, big time Bernie supporters. Uh, Bernie has a whole slate of delegates. Uh, some of the presidential candidates don't have slates. Pete Buttigieg doesn't have a slate. So explain. Well, he, has, he has a partial slate. Explain all this. Okay. <laughs> so, so Illinois has a weird system where there are some delegates that run in the primary, uh, and so they have to file petitions just like any other candidate. Uh, so there's 101 delegates that are selected by uh, during the primary in March that are pledged to various candidates. Then after the primary, there are, uh, there are some delegates that are automatically appointed because they're elected officials or party officials. There are also some other delegates that can be appointed uh, it's kind of a complex process after the primary, but the bottom line is... No, those are the so-called superdelegates, correct? Except that's not the name for them. Anymore. Yeah, no, I know. That's what Larry Cohen was <laughs> saying. What did he say? Elected? What did he call them? Not but, elected but delegates. Elected, elected leader and, and uh, elected official leader or party leader and elected official delegates. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but at the end, of the, the bottom line is this. Uh, it, it's one of the things that's uh, used to determine the uh, sort of strength that candidates have is 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 in terms of their delegate uh, recruitment in in Illinois. So when you see a candidate like Bernie who was able to fill all the delegate spots, Elizabeth Warren did too. Joe Biden filled, I think, all but one or two spots. And you know you have to find people in every single congressional district that are willing to run and get the signatures and all that. So they they did a good job of that. But then you have some candidates like. Uh, like the Mike Bloomberg that said they don't even want to participate in the delegate process, so they didn't decide to recruit any, which is fine. You mm -hmm. can, you don't have to recruit any, and if you still become the nom or be get enough votes in the primary, those delegates can be appointed to you after the primary by the uh, by the state party. But the interesting thing is that Pete Buttigieg, whose campaign is based here in Illinois and had a big delegate recruitment process, didn't file delegates in a lot of congressional districts, particularly the uh, the minority districts, a couple of the African-American districts, and in the fourth congressional district, which of course is the only Latino district in Illinois, he only has one delegate when he could have filed many more. So that was seen, that was kind of a national story that he doesn't have seem to have the sort of uh, minority support that you would expect a major candidate to have in Illinois. Uh, okay, so th before we get into the list of who's the delegates, who are some of the delegates that are running, uh, you talk about delegates after the fact. Uh, delegates can be appointed by the state party. Uh, do they have to? Is that coordinated with the camp, the candidates? Yes. Go yeah, ahead, most of them are. Some of them are automatic. You know, elected official and uh, party official delegates. Like if you're a DNC member, you automatically are, are a delegate. But most of them are appointed in accordance with the campaigns. Just like if you're running for delegate, if you decided, to, if you had decided to run for delegate, you have to get the blessing of the campaign. They have to decide that you're somebody they want to run. But the thing is that, so the primary happens, and the interesting thing is the formula. So if a candidate doesn't get 15% of the vote in any particular congressional district, they don't get any delegates in that district. So you have, there's a certain threshold you have to meet to even, uh, you know, become a delegate. Even if you run and win, you won't necessarily be a delegate for Mayor Pete or, uh, you know, or Elizabeth Warren, unless the, your particular candidate that you're pledged to gets enough votes in that district. I see. Congressional district by yeah. congressional district. So it's it's a mini electoral college. So somebody could get 90 uh, percent. I'm just making this up. 90 percent of the vote in the fourth congressional. Just saying that because you mentioned it, uh, but not zero percent uh, in the uh, first congressional district. And so no delegates in the first. And there's a threshold that uh, there's a limit that you get in the fourth so 
doesn't really do you any good. Right. It, so, yeah. And so if you got 90% in the 4th Congressional District, you're going to get all the delegates that ran uh, under your, you know, being pledged to you. You know, every district gets like four or five, it depends on the district delegates. Uh, and there's also, there's, because we're the Democratic Party and we believe in diversity, there are various diversity requirements. So there, in terms of the delegates from Illinois, there need to be a certain number of African-Americans, Latinos, LGBT, disabled. So that formula also comes into play after the election and if so you still may be bumped if you're if you're not a minority or if you're not in one of those groups i see is, is there evidence from these delegate uh, the the slates of these delegates that the candidates have taken seriously uh these requirements or goals to have uh, minority representation you know i'm looking at the list of of some of the delegates for the major candidates and joe biden has definitely gonna, done a good job of of recruiting a lot of minority and women candidates uh, elizabeth warren has too uh, Bernie has as well, but you know it just comes back to Mayor Pete not really having very much diversity in his delegate slate, and uh, Amy Klobuchar only filed a few delegates, and that's which, which is interesting as well. I'm not. It's like to me, if I were running a delegate operation in Illinois, it's all or nothing. I'm either going to go all in and get everybody, you know, enough for every single district, or nobody. Why yeah. would you just file a few? Well, but, why would you? I don't understand it at all. I mean, he's... I don't know. <laughs> You'd have to ask those campaigns. Yeah. Uh, all right. So give me some of the names here and, and uh, maybe we can run through them and uh, Danny can jump in as well. Uh, talk about the significance of it. Let's start with Joe Biden. Who are some of Joe Biden? I don't have the list in front of me. So yeah. I'm just, you just read it off. So there's he's got, you know, city treasurer Melissa Conyers Irvin. He's got Alderman Michelle Harris, Roderick Sawyer, Brendan Riley. Uh, he's got uh, Representative Marty Moylan up there in Des Plaines. He's got former Governor Pat Quinn. He's got Alderman Patrick Daly-Thompson, Water Reclamation District Commissioner Marianna Sparopoulos, uh, former U.S. Senate candidate Andy Zopp. So, you know, pretty diverse group of people there. Uh, he has a Daly. Think of Patrick Daly-Thompson in the 11th Ward is, yeah. of course, former Mayor Daly's uh, nephew. Uh, and uh, so that been that's not bad in the old days that would be a sign would it not that the democratic party is lined up behind joe biden but things have yeah, changed in the old uh, daily days yes in the old daily days <laughs> for sure you definitely have where you see a lot of the establishment has gone behind biden right and so it'll be interesting as biden's fortunes as the campaign has gone on mm -hmm. have have gotten worse yeah and so it'll be interesting to see if by the time that St. Patty's Day and the primary rolls around, if uh, Biden isn't doing too hot, what's going to happen with these folks? Well, this is going to be trying to figure out another way to get to the uh, to the uh, uh, convention. I got to tell you guys, <laughs> we have a lot of different people parading through this studio. Dennis knows what I'm about to say. I, it's really hard to find someone to defend Joe Biden. I defend. <laughs> I'm the defender of Joe Biden on this show. I get ripped by our listeners whenever I do. That. Hey, didn't oh. you have Dave Feller on here? Didn't he we defend Dave, Joe Biden? Yeah, but it was weak. It was <laughs> okay. weak. It's you know, the first incoming, and Dave Feller was like, Ugh. Yeah. Four or five people already called you a douchebag on the live stream chat when you mentioned it. So. Just to say anything nice about Joe Biden. The left does not like Joe Biden, okay? Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, Dave Feller came in. I brought him in. I go, we'd say something nice about him. Even he was waffling. <laughs> so, it, and yet... The elected officials lined up. You had an alderman that you named. Two aldermen, I want to say. Yeah. Right? Uh, three aldermen. Three right? Did you say yeah. Pat Dowell was on that list? Pat Dowell, no. But Chris Talaferro, I don't think I mentioned him okay, as another yeah. one. So That's I think an there's at least five or six on this list mm -hmm. that I'm looking at here. So, yeah. So what's going on here? Is it just uh, that Joe Biden has, to, to quote a line from uh, Richard Nixon, the silent majority of voters? Or is it... Uh, Elected officials just not in touch with the voters. What don't do you make think? no waves, don't back no losers, right? <laughs> that's that's the old maximum, and I'm sure that when folks were looking at who they wanted to to be a delegate for, and 
you know, September, October, Biden was looking like a hot commodity mm-hmm. before the debates really had him sputter. And I think that's part of it. But also you look at this list and there's a lot of African-Americans. And I think the polling shows Biden still does really well among African-American voters, particularly older African-American voters. So I think that must play into it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't really see on this list, at least this isn't everybody, but these are the ones that are also elected officials or notable names. I don't see any, uh, I don't think I see any Latinos. So it's, it's a lot of African-Americans and uh, a lot of kind of, as you would say, establishment yeah. folks. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned Mayor Pete uh, didn't talk about the delegates that he has. So he definitely has a lot of the LGBT elected officials like Deborah Shore, like Kevin Morrison, like uh, Lamont Robinson, state representative. Uh, he also has Representative Stephanie Kifowit from the West Suburbs, Aurora. He has uh, Marty Castro, uh, who's a businessman, who's a big supporter of uh, Susanna Mendoza. Former city treasurer candidate Peter Grippy is a delegate for Pete, uh, is the delegate in the 4th Congressional District. Uh, former ambassador to Canada, David Jacobson. Uh, Yoni Pizer. Yoni Pizer, who's running for state representative in in, in the Sarah Feigenholt seat. Mm-hmm. According to Ben, podcast producer Dennis loves <laughs> Mayor Pete. There you go. <laughs> is that true? No. Okay. This guy, this guy is... Ride and die with Bernie. He, uh, now it's all serious. I tease him because he's so not for Pete that I love to sing. And everybody knows his favorite kid. But that is a joke, guys, inside joke. This, like, Dennis is represents what I'm talking about when we just had that conversation. Uh, he comes from Alton, Illinois. Uh, which there's a lot of Trump supporters in Alton, Illinois, oh, yeah. and the Democrats in Alton, Illinois, of the world tend to go with Bernie, and this oh, yeah. is just a fact. But it, it, it's not—it's not just him. So take a look when you're looking at Bernie Sanders. You know, Tucker Carlson is not exactly someone that we usually quote <laughs> in a radio show like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tucker Carlson uh, on C-SPAN actually had a segment where he himself is talking about. Uh, a person who is a, a hardcore Second Amendment guy, a guy that's a conservative businessman, and when asked, well, who are you going to vote for? I don't know, Trump or Bernie? And I, I think that encapsulates it where, I mean, <clears throat> Trump himself had actually taken some of the language that Bernie had originally had about a rigged system mm-hmm. and then co-opted it in the general election. And for a lot of folks who remember the Democratic Party being for unions, being for um, redistribution of wealth. For those folks, Bernie really encapsulates something. And I think that when people try to write that off, it's to their detriment. I'm with you 100% on that one. And to do, one thing that really I find disconcerting uh, is the rhetoric that comes from the center of the party. And I always point this out, uh, and this is me speaking, this is not uh, Dan or Jacob. I'm on the left, but year after year, I am. I dutifully vote Democrat. I'm not particularly proud of that, but that's just the reality. And I voted for centrist Democrats because I was, I figured, well, the Supreme Court is at stake, uh, National Labor Relations Board appointees are at stake, EPA policies are at stake. So even though they're economic issues, uh, I think they've wimped out and and left us stranded. Uh, people on the left, they've really ignored our, our, our concerns. Uh, these are very important pointees that I cannot just dismiss. So I've always voted Mondale, Dukakis, Clinton, Gore, John Kerry, you know, Obama, centrists. I've always voted yeah. centrists. I'm looking at the centrists. Are you going to do this? 
if Bernie's the nominee, Rahm Emanuel, David Axelrod, uh, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, John Podesta, I'm going on and on with the centrists of the Democratic Party. You know, are you going to say, hey, you know, hold your nose and vote Bernie? Are you going to be true blue to the Democrat? Are, you know what I'm saying? Or are you going to start playing these games uh, and dropping out and not speaking out and saying, well, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. <laughs> you know, I, I think this is a serious issue that I the think Democrats it is. are Though, facing. I will say at least here in Cook County and the people I talk to that aren't particularly Bernie fans, they do all say they would vote for him and support him happily against Trump. So I don't know. At least in Cook County. Yeah. Well, that's nice enough. We will. One of the things that I wanted to segue, so um, I've been itching to talk about this for a while. I actually sent you guys a text about this when I when this first came up uh, of why Bernie Sanders really strikes a chord with working class folks uh, and getting back to the the power that he has, not only with working class folks, but to a diff, to a, a, an earlier incarnation of the Democratic Party. So um, today we had Boeing once again in the headlines. It was in the headlines because there were emails where the corporate heads themselves or corporate folks were saying like, oh man, the people who designed it were monkeys and, 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 and et cetera. I haven't heard any of the presidential candidates talk about how what bank analysts had, had said, which is that many of the troubles that Boeing is now going through go back to, their, to the same culture that broke, the, was trying to break the unions inside Boeing. You have where uh, you have not just highly qualified folks, but the move to South Carolina. Is it South Carolina? Yeah. The move to South Carolina. This was all designed as part of this corporate cost-cutting structure, trying to cut at all costs, mm -hmm. break the union, even though you're talking about a profession which dealing with people's safety mm -hmm. needs highly, highly skilled workers. And this is a bank analyst that, that said this, and I read this in Bloomberg, not a single person brought this up. And why do people like Bernie? Because Bernie Sanders is the candidate that I guarantee you, if he, if someone were, if you were to read that, he'd be all and every station talking about, this is sick, we need to make sure that we stand strong for unions, for union labor, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that I think really highlights that point. Yeah, no, I, uh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, yeah, so Bernie's unafraid to, to take these strong stands. And we'll be really curious. I'll be watching that one to see if the centrists uh, you know, fall in line with Bernie and say, well, we disagree with him and this, that, the other thing, but we think he's far better than Trump or we think he's a great guy. And uh, remember, Bernie did campaign for Hillary. This is another little myth that uh, people put out that, that Bernie did not support Hillary, but Bernie campaigned in Iowa uh, and uh, other swing states for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I'd like to quote Mr. Ben Jurafsky, who when we were talking about with the political know-it-alls here about how Arnie Duncan was taking the side of management. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, I, sounds like something I did say. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. the exact quote. So yeah, we were, we were talking about, and it highlighted, you know, the Democratic Party, we weren't supposed to be on the side of management. We were supposed to be on the side of labor. And this goes back to why people like Bernie, because he's someone who unequivocally is not on the side yeah. of management. He's on the side of the working man. Uh, he's definitely on the side of labor, that is for sure. Uh, before I let this delicate thing go, uh, what are some of the other, uh, like Klobuchar, you mentioned Klobuchar, did, where are her delegates? 
I, the only name I, I recognize, well, political consultant Nick, Nick Daggers, yeah. uh, businesswoman Christy Hefner, and state rep Tara Costa Howard are the only three. And notable names and what district? What district is that? Uh, that I'm not even sure. So they don't. So that yeah. list doesn't break it down by district. No, no. I gotcha. Christy this was just, Hefner. Does she still live in, in the North Shore? I, I don't know. Christy Hefner, a former head of Playboy. What about yeah. uh, Cory Booker? Does Cory Booker have any delegates? No, didn't file any delegates. No. Oh, the only other candidate who filed a full slate was Elizabeth Warren. And, and Bernie Sanders, those are the two. So Elizabeth Warren. Who are some of Elizabeth Warren's daughters? So she has State Senator Omar Aquino, uh, Christina Castro, uh, uh, Daniel Biss, former senator, uh, Melinda Bush, uh, Representative Kelly Cassidy. Uh, My boss. Uh, a, Mike Frerichs. Uh, Mike Frerichs. State yeah, Treasurer. Uh, Representative Will Gazzardi, uh, uh, Zach Kautsky with United Food and Commercial Workers, Assessor Fritz Kagey, Alderman Matt Martin. Uh, so a pretty diverse set of uh, people supporting have, Warren. Is Brandon, did you say Brandon Johnson's on there? I, he's not listed here, but he's definitely he a delegate. Yeah. So. Well, I yeah. can tell you this, uh, what was a shameless plug here. Uh, the first Tuesday of the month of February at the hideout, we're having a debate. Uh, uh, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa will be representing Bernie, and uh, Commissioner Brandon Johnson will be representing Elizabeth Warren, and I am looking forward to this debate. So much trash I can't talk wait. going on. Brandon <laughs> yeah. Johnson, Carlos, you should have heard what Brandon said about you. I'm oh, man. Just saying. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, weighing like in the for Mayor WWF? Pete. What's that? I said, I'm thinking about weighing in for Mayor Pete. I'm going <laughs> Dennis back Dennis will be there for Mayor Pete. <laughs> uh, and uh, You should yeah. get Fowler there for Biden. Come on. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Biden's yeah. in my top five. All right. I know you guys, yeah. I wonder, curious if you have, you're not allowed to say your top five because, uh, you know, Jacob's official with the Cook County Party. got to be uh, neutral in this thing but my uh top five let's see if i could do this off the top of my head anymore uh number one bernie uh he's been number one for a while number two elizabeth warren she's been number two for a while i like her a lot uh but i i do what cohen said was so true larry cohen bernie's been doing this forever and i really appreciate that uh, dang the africa oh three andrew yang is earned there you go you know i like some of the stuff andrew yang says about uh the automated workplace and uh, i think he's raising idea he's doing a good job of raising ideas that aren't ordinarily addressed by the democrats uh and uh who's my uh, amy klobuchar like her wisecracks oh, man. and uh, you know as a, as a former political staffer yes I have a grudge against Amy Klobuchar for treating her staffers like that. Any person, she's rude and mean and nasty. Yes, to them. I understand, and I I understand. Folks are like, well, but she'll be so great at taking it to Trump. Just just viscerally, someone who treats their staff like that. I, I just, it's hard for me to support someone mm -hmm. like that. And fifth is Joe Biden. Now, let me address uh, what you just said. There's a di big difference, and I'm going to agree with you, actually, Danny. There's a big difference between being mean and nasty and tough to people who are your subordinates and being mean and nasty and tough with someone who is standing on stage with your opponent. It's it's two different things. One is being a bully, and the other is standing up for what you believe in. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I... I, I that turned me off as well, those reports about Amy Klobuchar being nasty uh, to uh, uh, the people who work for her. Uh, and uh, so maybe I'll flip Biden, put him forth now. Uh, you know, it's well, like... Your listeners won't like that. So. Yeah, I know. Oh, God, <laughs> God damn, Biden, man. Yeah. Oh, the live stream chat's going crazy. Yeah. Ben Jaraski's Facebook page every time you say it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Listen, Joe Biden's been around a long time, and I will say this. You know, he was the guy who uh, did a very good job in the 2008 campaign for Barack Obama. He ran. He was the wingman, all right? Yeah. And he sort mm -hmm. of convinced white people throughout the country, hey, he's not bad. I'm for him. 
So there, I'm giving the best spin I can for yeah. Joe Biden. All right, uh, the Facebook, the the, the <laughs> internet. Yep, just exploded. Um, all right, someone's gonna create a meme of of Pendrevsky riding with Biden. Uh, we're uh, talking to the political know-it-alls, uh, Jacob Kaplan and uh, Dan Poloshevsky. Let's talk a little bit about uh, ballot challenges. Uh, let's take a little uh, dive on that one. And, of course, we have this conversation every election season with Jacob and Dan. Uh, it's You can't just say in Illinois that you're running for office. Uh, you have to gather signatures to nominating petitions. Uh, you have to submit those to the appropriate uh, electoral bodies. And then you have to sustain a challenge, if it comes to that, from your opponent who says you haven't collected enough valid legal signatures. It's a game that goes on every election year uh, in Cook County in the city of Chicago. There's a lot of lawyers I know, some dear friends of mine, uh, who make a nice living uh, doing this, either defending or attacking uh, candidates uh, who— Anyone uh, you were surprised on that got kicked off? uh, Kicked off yet? Uh, Well, I don't know if anybody— has been kicked off. Wait, I'm trying to think. Oh, come on. There's uh, one big one. Uh, yeah, very big one. Oh, um, yes, I do know this. Uh, God, all the marijuana. Alderman. She's also an alderman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the south side. On the south side, Carrie Austin. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Carrie <laughs> Austin running for committeeman. I had a withdrawal well, because she was, a, was running for committeeman. Yes, running yeah. for re-election. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, but uh, I, I personally have a libertarian viewpoint on this. Jacob whoa, and I have argued whoa, whoa. this. Listen, yeah. calm your horses there, Mr. Hayek, right? Uh, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I don't want to be. This is the last place I want to be talking about the road to serfdom. You know, I mean, that's very good, Mister uh, Hayek. Uh, I just say let them all run. Let it be uh, thirty people on the list. Jacob Kaplan and I have uh, debated this one many yes. times. We're just going to agree to disagree. We're not going to. Ca- we're not going to go back. We don't to need this to rehash. Yeah, that we don't need to rehash this one. So just tell me some of the uh, the interesting challenges that are going down. Well, that so here at the. Uh, Democratic Party, we one, a couple of our candidates were challenged, Kim Fox, state's attorney, and Mike Cabanargi, clerk of the court. And I will say that, you know, it's different. You know, certainly a lot of, I've been involved in many challenges over the years, but one of the things that's happened recently, and that is, I think we probably agree on, is just this the frivolous nature of a lot of challenges where people can hold up, you know, you can hold up your opponent, make them spend a lot of money in legal fees because you allege that they don't have enough signatures, but they end up well over the limit. So we're getting treated to that at the party because, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Fioretti, former second ward alderman and perennial candidate, decided to challenge uh, Kim Fox. Uh, and uh, Jacob Meister, who was running for clerk of the circuit court, decided to challenge Mike Kebanargi. Uh The minimum number of signatures you needed to be on the ballot in the, these races are about 7,200. And uh, both of them are going to have well over 10,000 valid signatures, so three over 3,000 over the uh, minimum. So that was a frivolous challenge that uh, was thrown at us, and you know we're surviving it just fine. But it is an example of how I think there needs to be some sort of change in the law to not allow these sort of just frivolous, I call them shotgun challenges, where it's just I'll just allege that everything's wrong, and then it takes you know weeks of taxpayer dollars and legal fees to to you know survive these challenges. I would, if I, I just have to add, Jacob Kaplan is like stealing my life. Yeah, that's there you stuff go. I've been saying for yeah. freaking years. And yeah. I, I thought uh, like um, Susanna Mendoza, I thought that was a frivolous challenge for her, her uh, in the mayoral race. The one But Dorothy that, Brown got kicked off. That wasn't frivolous. 
Well, it ended up not being yeah. frivolous. Uh, and because uh, she got kicked off, you're right. I mean, sometimes they're close. They're on the line, and people end up on by a few signatures or off by a few signatures. But if you're alleging that every single signature out of 20,000 is bad, yeah. I mean, come on. You well, that's why right. my, uh, my friend Ricky Hendon, that's, he's really good at this game. <laughs> uh, former state senator Ricky Hollywood. Hendon. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, he has led the challenge to many a candidate, and he just doesn't. You, what you do is you go after the sing, the people who get the signatures. Yeah. So if if young Daniel gathers signatures and I could prove that he doesn't live at the address he says he lives on on the document, like let's say he puts the wrong number in, this is so t- trivial. This but is. why would you lie? This is a legal document. If someone's lying on these documents they're putting in, what does that say about their integrity? I'm being serious here. If somebody makes up their address, right, and don't want they won't put their real address on this legal document, how can you trust them? All right. Can I just say this? I, you, you said you didn't want to relitigate the issue, but, we are. but here we are. Because in my humble opinion, you can't have it two ways. You can't, on one hand, say, "Well, this is absolutely important," and isn't uh, it? You can't have it two ways with being honest. No, the issue is, is uh, you can't have it two ways by claiming something as a great principle that you're abiding by. You can't say we have this great principle that you absolutely, positively have to have every dot uh, of every I dotted, every T crossed. And if I'm you not don't saying do that, everyone. I'm saying in the in the case of having the correct address, if somebody lies and they notarize this document and they're like, "Hey, I don't actually live there. I put a fake address. Okay. I didn't want you to know That's who I am." Time out. There's a lie and there's a mistake. Now, in the case, one of my favorite cases, uh, the case of the Green Party uh, candidate Jacob Farber. This goes way back. Jason Farber. This goes back to before you guys were even involved in politics. You were still in high school. I don't know where <laughs> you were. Uh, and it was Harry Osterman was the was running for. Uh, re-election as uh, state, state rep, rep from the north side of Chicago and a Green Party guy named Farben ran against him. And immediately, the Democratic Party, in its infinite non-wisdom, decided to send Michael Casper, who's the biggest election law bulldog in the world, after Farben to kick him off the ballot for some frivolous, made-up stuff. I would have argued to the Democrats, why are you doing this? Why are you turning off Green Party voters by going after Let him engage him in debate. At the very least, show that you cons- are concerned Concerned about everything he's not on. That's not my beloved Democrats. <laughs> They're going to send the bulldog after this. I agree Farman. with you on that. All right. I agree with you on that. So one. they I had have done that. They had Farman on the ropes. Yeah. Farman reading this kid. He didn't have a lawyer. You know, he didn't have Peter Jenko re- representing him. He didn't have Jacob Kaplan in there. But he figured out his own that the challenger had the wrong address on the challenge to his petitions. He flipped it around. He went, then he counterattacked Casper, who then all of a sudden found him in the position, and this is where I'm getting at. Oh, come on. That was just a mistake. He put the wrong address down. I mean, it's a frivolous complaint. I'm like, isn't that interesting? When old boy Farman makes the mistake, oh my God, the integrity of the system has been violated. You know, you misstated truth and honor. Where's He's the-, the lawyer, though. I mean, what do you expect? All right, there we go. You <laughs> acting like a lawyer right now. I'm not. So, oh, um, I'm just saying when the other guy makes a mistake, it's like the world's greatest crime. When you make a mistake, it's oh, that's why we have I mean, erasers if you, if at the end of If you had a lawyer, wouldn't you want him to, to act in that way? What? Well, my lawyer to lie and cheat and deceive to take that. a violation of the uh, to, to take uh, a van- look. We said we weren't going to relitigate, yeah. and here we, are. here we are. Speaking, but you know what I am curious about is in the first ward. Because you have where there might be no one that's on the ballot for commitment. I was curious, Jacob, what's the status? Yes, how does that, that work? Uh, 
Not sure. It's to be. It's still being decided. But so in the first ward, it's an open seat. Proco Joe Moreno is no longer the alderman. So the new alderman, uh, Daniel Espada, is running. Jay Ramirez, who's from Proco Joe's organization, is running. And Lauren Young is running. Lauren Young was already kicked off the ballot, so she's she's out. Uh, Lauren challenged the other two. Jay Ramirez, we're hearing, is probably going to be off, though I haven't. Uh, that hasn't been decided yet. And Daniel Espada apparently is going to be on by one signature, though, <laughs> <laughs> literally. If he's only so, on one, is that is that final, or can you still challenge It can more? be appealed. Yeah, it can always be appealed. So who knows? I mean, so there is a potential there where there'd be nobody on the ballot for committeement, which has happened in the past, Then people run as a write-in. Yeah. So <laughs> Now, I'm going to now, uh, yeah. argue, like as or Dan Pogoszewski. Uh, I'm going to now be you, Dan, uh, and I'm going to say... I love your Polish pronunciation. Uh, yeah, I probably <laughs> butchered it. All right, uh, so how many um, do you need valid signatures? Do you need to be on the ballot to run for first ward committeeman? Do you know? I don't know the exact number, but I would imagine in that ward it's probably around five or 600. Well, to quote yeah. uh, Dan, if you can't get 500 signatures... Uh, maybe you uh, shouldn't uh, be. Are you saying there's like a hipster work ethic in the first ward? Is it has it permeated that it? far into the first ward? Where it's like, ah, oh, I'd like to get signatures. Wait, is that your hipster? Not, ha- wait, you wait, know? time out. Is that your hipster imitation? Yeah, it is now. It's pretty it good. Is. It's yeah. pretty good. I, I'm just imagining how many of the folks do the thing that I've hated the most. That I've berated what? people. Um, I need to do more research. You know, where yeah. like I don't know when, you go when door that to became door. the standard way to say no. When it's like, hey, I, I'm trying to collect signatures for a Democrat, so I was like, I don't know about them. I gotta figure that. Well, out. here's how I do it. You guys would hate to come up to me when everybody <laughs> comes up to me for with a signature. I give them trivia questions. Nice. I said, All right, I will sign that petition of yours if you can tell me, and then I'll ask him questions about his own candidate. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, they don't know because they're just. Doing or they, it for or money. they just make it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that would be, because I know the answer. Yeah. Oh, that would be wrong. What high school did your Whoa, candidate Were you channeling to? Dennis there? That totally sounded straight out of Dennis's. I I'm half the time I channeled Dennis. Uh, <laughs> by the way, everything I said when I was being uh, Dan Pogoshowski, I just wanted to let you know I disagreed with absolutely everything I was saying <laughs> while I was saying it. I still, people, I, I'm a libertarian about this. Uh, Whoa, let's not access. use the L word here, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you think everybody should just pay a, a fee to yes, be on the ballot? Yes. And then everybody, and then the counter ballot, oh, Wait, you're going to be like, California. Pay a, pay I go, what's fee? the matter with California? Yeah. They, they had reefer before we did. What was that? Pay a fee. I mean, that's not very progressive. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, it's, I'm not <laughs> what, saying a large say, $30. Trying to make it, this is going to be bucks and you're on the ballot? Mike Bloomberg. Yeah, 30 bucks. Yeah, yeah 30 bucks. That's, that's and then you know what? Other people go, well, Ben, what's going to happen? This is all these <laughs> wheelers and dealers in Cook County. So, like, like some committee boss will pay, let's say they want Jacob Kaplan to run uh, to, to sti- uh, siphon votes away from. Well, that's what I was going to say. You yeah. know, there's all these allegations that the speaker puts candidates in that are similar. You know, if there's a Latino in the race, you put another Latino in to split the vote. Wouldn't this make it way easier to do that? Yes. Yeah. So how's that better? Well, I don't know. It, 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 what I'm saying is the, uh, and this gets to what Dan's saying, we need a sophisticated electorate that knows what's going on. Because I never bought the lawsuit. I don't think we've ever had this conversation. There was a federal lawsuit filed uh, against the Madigan machine in the uh, the 30th district. Is that the na- state representative district? No, no. 22nd. 22nd. Uh, are you sure it's the 22nd? Why am I? I, did, I, I, I know it all, <laughs> man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by uh, Jason Gonzalez, uh, alleging that uh, his uh, constitutional rights were violated when Michael Madigan's operation put in another candidate w- with a Hispanic name. I never bought that lawsuit. I'm like, well, so what? 
Yeah. What's what's wrong with that? Yeah, I, I if somebody agrees to run, what's the, do, you, do you have to analyze the reasons for their run? And if they're not pure, you can kick them off and file a federal lawsuit. Yeah. I don't think that's that yeah. seems like free speech uh, territory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just never bought that. Uh, and uh, so anyway, uh, I, I think that's a libertarian to me. Again. So more people unlike your page when you mention Michael J. Madigan or Joe Biden. Good question. Michael, that is an excellent question. Who's more unpopular with our listeners, Joe Biden or Michael Madigan? Oh, absolutely, Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, <laughs> say what you will about Michael Madigan. Uh, here's the case for Michael Madigan. He stood up to honor? He stood yep. up to honor. And he defended unions. The unions, exactly. He defended unions. And it was, you know, I mean, it was can you exist- imagine- And uh, by the way, my centrist friends in the Democratic Party were more than willing, it looked like, to sell out the unions yeah. in that fight with. Will you take a look at uh, John Cullerton in the Senate versus Michael Madigan in the yeah. House? Who took the harder stand on behalf of unions? I'm just Madigan, putting it out there. Without a doubt. Madigan, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So, um, but my centrist friends, who. They they love Cullerton, but they don't like Madigan. So figure that out. You know the Tribune well, loves. But doesn't doesn't this get back to the schism that you have within? You know, some people say that the word progressive doesn't mean anything because everybody wants to use the label, but for some people it means good government. But oftentimes these are people that have that kind of Republican uh, fiscal austerity as well, right? So is that progressivism? Or are we talking more like Bernie Sanders where we're talking about trying to use um, the, the state to improve people's lives? Those yeah. are two very different things. Absolutely. And people have oftentimes been confused by that. And I will say this about that. There, anybody who claims to be a reformer or a good government candidate uh, in Illinois is probably lying. Or a neoliberal. Uh, because they probably supported Richard M. Daley. Sure. And I would not say that Richard M. Daley... How many times did the Tribune editorial board support Richard M. Daley? Thank you! I could <laughs> you know? have said it better myself! Yeah. 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 But and now they're complaining about... Michael Madigan. Yeah. Do- and Don now Clark compl- Netch endorsed uh, Richard M. Daley, yeah. didn't she? Yeah, but that's not the point I'm making. But now they're complaining about pensions and all the yes. city yeah. pension issues. Yes. They supported the guy that yes. never funded the pensions. That is correct. Every single time Every single time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I have a real hard time buying into the notion that there is reform in Illinois. Uh, as I always tell I, my opinion is reform is just a way of saying I want to take money that usually goes to working class people, pensioners, etc., and give it to the Amazons of the world. That's what, in my humble opinion, reform means in the state of Illinois. Feel free to vigorously disagree yeah. with me if you want. I don't think you're going to get find it here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're almost out of time. Man, this thing went fast with the political <laughs> know-it-alls. Uh, any update? Anything else you want to uh, add or say? Uh, any uh, promotions you want to do, young Dan? You usually have something to say uh, before we let you get out the door no nothing uh Dang cut it. you off guard let me there. Take a, yeah let jacob go first uh anything no any I'll words just, of wisdom words of wisdom I, I, you probably talked about the state's attorney's race before but anybody who's paying attention you know of course the party supporting kim fox pay a lot of attention to uh bill conway and where his money's coming from his and dad i know but okay. where, but his dad with his private equity firm and, and what they've been all about and all the money they've made from terrible you know terrible things so i just you know don't get fooled by those commercials that are on there constantly that's all i gotta say What's that? Build a bro? Yeah. Yeah. Build a bro. Yeah. I like it. I like Guys, it. Guys, that's yeah. how we had the whole discussion of bros versus hipsters. Uh, we've been playing the Bill Conway commercials and analyzing them. And, and my theory, is, as I've stated many times, is I don't understand why anybody uh, would choose this particular race to launch his political career in Cook County or Illinois because the symbolism of the counterattack to Kim Fox, whether you like her or not, is uh, pro-Trump. 
In other words, the counterattack is largely rooted in uh, the, 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 the view uh, that she was too lenient on uh, uh, Justice Smollett, Smollett Gate. And I welcome the investigation into Smollett Gate, uh, but that's a different issue than launching her political career, tying it to a revolt against Kim Fox that's essentially coming from the right. Yeah, you follow what I just said. They are, but then the funny thing is that he's running a commercial claiming that he's a champion of criminal justice reform. I mean, it's just the, the hypocrisy is <laughs> beyond me. Well, this is the guy that wants the votes of a bunch of cops and uh, you know. Speaking of hypocrisy, um, your colleague many times uh, in Which the one? past who was on the in the hideout, right? For, with oh, Mick Dumkey. Mick yeah. Dumkey, right? My he dear wrote, friend, yeah. He wrote an excellent article how. Uh, on the northwest side of Chicago, you had Republicans that were hoping uh, to catapult their way into relevance again uh, based on housing issues. And one of the interesting things that you've seen in this cycle is where Republicans, having had that effort kind of spin out of control and go nowhere, are now running as Democrats. John Garrido, who, you know, had, friend, had, yeah, the, the famous quote where, I only voted as a Democrat. He, he made that quote. I only voted as a Democrat so that I could just, you know, get the weakest candidate is now running as for judge. Yes, he is. As a Democrat. A Democrat. I like you have, John Garrido. You have, right, you have where on the northwest side, um, there's a Chicago police officer running against our good friend, uh, Rob Martwick. Yeah. That police officer in 2016 pulled a Republican ballot. And if you look at the commentary, uh, Napol uh, Napolitano, Alderman Napolitano's endorsement basically says, well, he can't win if he actually says he's a Republican. And this is on Facebook, which, you know, I just wonder to myself, yeah. like, do you guys realize anyone can read this when you post it on Facebook, yeah, right? Uh, that is um, a good point. It's out in the public. And, you know, you have these people who don't understand how technology works, and they're like, yeah, that's right. We got to get them. And so you wonder, do you think that there will be Republicans that are going to be pulling a Democratic ballot just to vote for these folks? Uh, yeah, I, no. I, I feel like uh, that it would be a... Uh, where do I put this? A lot of ignorance uh, on the part of the lecture. All right, we run out of time. Uh, young Daniel, thank you very much. Jacob yeah. Kaplan, thank you. Jacob Kaplan, I should say. Larry Cohen, man, he, he was awesome uh, in the 2 o'clock oh, hour yeah. with Peter Jenko, a uh, good friend of the show. And uh, Romana Hussein, it was a long time. The show's been going on a long time. Dave, we better get out of here so you can post it. So I just want to say one more time, as Jacob and Dan know, I want to thank oh. this young man. Well, I just want to say, uh, it's a sad day in the rock and roll world. Uh, Neil Pert, drummer of Rush, died. Wow. Rest in peace, man. Yikes. We used to talk about Rush all the time in the mm -hmm. old show with uh, Bob Ryder. Anyway, I guess once we went legal, just too much for the guy. I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, good job as always. Thanks. And uh, as uh, Jacob Kaplan can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you on Tuesday, everybody. I gotta say, better than Dr. Doobie. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews, like this weekend's bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast downloaders, you know we live stream this show. Yes, it's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time, once again at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun Times YouTube channel. Join us, won't you? We have a live stream chat. And it's very, it was happening today. People going back and forth, debating, making fun of Ben. Good times. I'm not Dr. Doobie. We'll see you Tuesday.